WBZ original. Okay, I want to get ahead of this just in case I lose the contest. It's because the pumpkin was a different size. You want it to be perfectly spherical, and if mine isn't, that's why I lost. <laughs> you can get your own pumpkin if you so choose. That way True. You can't use that. Would that be would that be regulation? I don't know if that would be within the regulations. Are you already Yes. Yes, one hundred percent. everybody to Studio BZ, Alston's number one podcast still. This mm. is season four. We were renewed. One. We We've got renewed, renewed, everyone. We've Huge got the news. big contract. And welcome back, everybody. I'm Paula Evan. And I'm John Keller. And I'm Leah Martin, back from our summer vacation. It's fall. The leaves are changing colors and falling off the trees. Halloween is in the air. And later on in the podcast, we'll be discussing... Uh, one of the uh, more uh, controversial manifestations of Halloween around our area. But before we get to Halloween, we still have a lot of politics to discuss. And so, John, you're going to talk about your interview with? Uh, uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, one quarter of the now infamous squad, uh, a freshman member of Congress, of course, after her big upset of Mike Capuano last year. We sat down to talk about impeachment uh, and other matters, and mm-hmm. she is right at the heart of the impeachment storm, so it'll, I think it'll be interesting to hear what she has to Someone say. Someone who's in favor of impeachment is former Congressman Joe Walsh from Illinois. He is running in the Republican primary, challenging President Trump for the Republican nomination. I sat down with him at our studios here in Austin, talked to him about whether or not he has a shot and mm-hmm. why it is that he supports And he used to be a big Trump booster. Yeah. He was a Tea Party Republican who once was about as loud as you can get in supporting President Interesting. Trump. Interesting. And a talk radio host. A talk radio host. And now candidate. And then we'll uh, cap things off by talking about a, a showdown in Braintree yeah. uh, between <laughs> uh, neighbors over an extremely, is it fair Extensive. to say, garish? Perhaps. Uh, and uh, an loud <laughs> Halloween display that's turning heads and turning neighbor against neighbor. You, did Braintree. you just say Halloween? Yeah, Halloween. It's Halloween. Halloween is a Halloween? New England pronunciation. Halloween? Yeah, we Halloween. say Halloween. I don't say Halloween. Is that oh, the kind of crap Halloween. they taught you at Harvard, Leah? Unbelievable. No, Halloween would Halloween. be the Harvard. Halloween. Halloween. That's how I say Do you guys also say you go to the bathroom? Yeah, the bathroom. It's and Halloween. Go, and, and go get a quart of milk. <laughs> <laughs> but you say Halloween, don't you? Halloween. Yeah, let's say Halloween. No, Halloween. Are you from Ohio? Ha- well, okay. No, we you guys continue Hallows-y. to say it incorrectly. No. I will say oh, it correctly. Stop. I'll it's be like, over here eating my candy say, corn. How do you pronounce S-C-A-L-L-O-P-S? Wait, say that again? S-C-A-L-L-O-P-S. They are well, scallops. They're scallops. Yeah. Yes. That, I okay. There, I, my, my, yeah. I rest my case. Not well, not but, uh, but good one, Paula. Unless you're from, again, yeah. the well, Midwest. Okay. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go to the bathroom and uh, we can discuss Halloween. Come back in half an hour. <laughs> Austin's number one podcast. Oh, that's why. My father. That's the stuff wife. that people have been waiting about. for. Ayanna Presley, uh, you could say, has been the biggest political story in our area over the last year, hands down, dating back to her upset uh, a year ago of 
uh, longtime Congressman Mike Capuano, right. uh, continuing through a tumultuous first year in Congress where she's been a member of the famous squad of four female members of Congress who've been singled out for derision and abuse by President Trump and some of his legions. And uh, we sat down uh, to talk about the story of the moment in Washington, uh, in the impeachment inquiry into mm-hmm. President Trump, uh, where she is playing a key role sitting on two of the relevant committees involved with this. And she explained why this is something she feels it's time for Democrats to pursue. Austin Hill, the glittering jewel city of the world. Congresswoman, welcome. Thank you. Thank Good you to for have having you here. here. So uh, you serve on two of the committees that are involved in the impeachment inquiry now, yes. including financial services, which I guess is probing uh, Deutsche Bank and his, uh, the president's tax returns and so forth. Uh, is this coming to a quick head here? Is it going to drag on indefinitely? What's your sense of what we're in for? Well, first let me just say that um, although I did not go to Congress to impeach a president, um, I feel we've been left with no other choice. And uh, I do serve on both financial services and oversight and reform, respectively. And uh, specifically on the oversight reform, uh, over and over again, we have experienced great obstruction, evading and stonewalling when we have uh, had members of the administration before our committee. And so um, when you invite people to testify and then you're forced to issue subpoenas, and I mean, the only way that we can be an effective and efficient pursuit of truth and uh, get closer to justice for the American people um, is a full impeachment inquiry, which I've been supportive of since April, um, because I believe not only did this administration lose moral authority a long time ago, but that the Mueller report, um, although it did not get us to an impeachment inquiry for me, um, it was sufficient. I think it proved obstruction of justice, um, colluding, uh, and also, Uh, Although it did not get us to an impeachment inquiry, people in proximity to Donald Trump were indicted and sentenced, which speaks to, um, when it comes to this administration and their policies, the cruelty is the point. When it comes to their culture, the corruption is the point. Now, uh, nearly 63 million Americans voted for Donald Trump for president. after a campaign in which many of the character flaws that we're talking about now were certainly in evidence. Uh, In your campaign and during your first year in Congress, you have often spoken about making voices of the people heard, letting them be heard, and having them be listened to. When you support impeachment of a duly elected president, which could result in his removal without benefit of another election, aren't you in some sense disregarding the voices of those 63 million who voted for him? Well, first and foremost, um, I work in Washington, but I work for the people of the Massachusetts 7th, and that's who sent me to Washington. And this is a district that is 53% people of color, um, 40% foreign-born, second largest LGBT community in the country. Um, And so uh, given the draconian, oppressive, life-threatening, family-separating, xenophobic policies being rolled out uh, by the hour by this administration, I mean, drinking from a fire hose, Uh, my decision to support an impeachment inquiry as early as April was, I believe, in lockstep and in keeping with the real um, fragility and fear that uh, residents of the Massachusetts 7th are living with every day. And to your broader point, um, recently we did a hearing in oversight and reform on uh, trauma 
uh, was the, the first of its kind in a hearing that I worked for the ch with the chairman to do. And we learned that there's been an increase in farmer suicide, uh, in veteran suicide, and, and these are people, uh, we've seen an increase in suicides due to debt, despair. People are hurting. So people were hurting for before uh, the occupant of the, the White House um, uh, took office, and that hurt has only been exacerbated because, again, with this administration and their policies, the cruelty is the point, and no one is safe. And um, to be serving in Congress at this time, people ask me if I'm cynical or I'm apathetic. I don't have the luxury. I'm grateful to be serving on two out of the six uh, committees uh, who were charged with this impeachment inquiry investigation. As you alluded to, um, under the leadership of Chairwoman Waters, uh, we are reviewing uh, documents relative to uh, Donald Trump's uh, relationship with Deutsche Bank. This is someone who had numerous bankruptcies. Trump University, remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, but Deutsche Bank continued to loan and to lend to him. And why is that? And so we're going to, to be deliberate um, and thorough in our pursuit of the truth. Just the other day, Boston Mayor Marty Walsh announced the city has permitted 30,000 new units of housing, including 6,000 so-called income-restricted units uh, uh, affordable. Uh, and he called it a, quote, significant milestone on the path to reaching the goal he set for 11 years from now of 69,000 new units in the city. Do you share the mayor's enthusiasm for the progress that's been made? Um, I share his concern. Um, you know, this is, it is not hyperbole to say that we are in the midst of a housing crisis. Um, again, serving on the Financial Services uh, Committee under the leadership of Chairwoman Waters, uh, housing is in this committee. And so this was actually the very first full committee hearing that we had in this new Democratic Majority Congress uh, was specifically on how to end homelessness. And that uh, legislation was scored at $13 billion. And uh, guess what else is an equivalent cost of that? One military aircraft carrier. So ultimately, um, there is a crisis. Um, it, it does have to do with our creating more housing stock, but that doesn't get at the crux of the problem. We need rent relief. 60% of people in the Massachusetts 7th are renters. Um, I support Senator Harris's legislation that if you make less than $100,000 a year or paying more than 30% of your income for rent that you get a tax break. I support a Senator Warren's legislation, um, the uh, Housing Opportunity and Economic Mobility Act, which I think will help to reverse a lot of the hurt caused by discriminatory policies such as redlining, which impacted uh, African-Americans specifically ability to build generational wealth. Mm -hmm. um, we know uh, from the uh, Federal um, uh, Reserve report that uh, the median wealth for a black family in Boston is $8 and for a white family is $247,000. And that's not because people are not working hard. Um, that is because um, uh, people are behind generationally because of discriminatory policies. And finally, I just add, we cannot look at housing in a silo. Um, we have the second highest cost of childcare in the country. And we also have a student loan debt crisis. We have some 355,000 borrowers alone in Massachusetts. And nationally, we have a crisis of $1.4 trillion. Well, in the midst of all that, uh, there are two quasi-governmental entities, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that create, uh, were created in part to make sure that housing finance was available to a wide cross-section of Americans. They Right now, they hold half of the mortgages in the country. Just recently, the Trump administration agreed to let them hold on to more of the profits they make um, as, as a step toward financial independence for them. People may remember at the time of the crash in 2008, insolvency for these two agencies was a big part of the picture. Now, uh, Chair, uh, Chair 
Chairwoman Waters, Maxine Waters, says she thinks this is bad news for low-income and minority borrowers. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, in that this is a national uh, crisis and um, it's one that we need to address locally, regionally, nationally. Everything needs to be uh, on the table. Housing is fundamental, not only to social and economic mobility, but it is also a critical determinant of health. Um, when I see what is happening under uh, the secretary of, of HUD, under Ben Carson, it is clear to me that it is a pervasive thought throughout this administration that simply because you can't afford more does not mean that you deserve, simply because you um, can't afford more means that you don't deserve better. Um, that poverty is a character flaw. And we have seen that time and time again. And this is one of the ways that they're decimating communities and separating families is through their ho housing policies. They rolled out a policy um, to eliminate mixed status families in public housing. Um, and so it, it just, again, the cruelty is the point time and time again. So we have to lead on the local level. It's a complicated issue. Yes, more is. than we have time to get into yes, now. But if is. our viewers want to learn more about these housing issues or other issues you're involved with, uh, where should they go? Um, you can go to www.ayannapresley.com uh, and and again, we are in a crisis. Uh, the National Low Income Housing Coalition recently released data that in Massachusetts, uh, the average person would have to work 84 hours a week to afford one fair market rent um, apartment in the city of Boston. Wow. So it is a crisis. Congresswoman, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Great to see you. It. Come back again soon. Okay. The answer is more technology. Uh, in the interest of making sure we talk to every campaign, I believe of all the television stations in Boston right now, we have interviewed uh, the majority of the candidates uh, on the Democratic side. We've talked to Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Cory um, Booker, Kamala Corey Booker, Harris. Kamala Harris. And we also have interviewed Mark Lauder, who's the strategic communications director for the Trump campaign. We want to make sure we talk to We interviewed the William Welds yeah. as well former Governor Weld. And today, Liam, you talked to this super interesting candidate uh, trying to primary the president, one of his former uh, supporters, Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, a former congressman from Illinois, a Tea Party Republican, served in Congress from 2010 to 2012. And he was the guy that a week or so before the election in 2016 tweeted, on November 8th, I'm voting for Trump. On November 9th, if Trump loses, I'm grabbing my musket. And that became such a headline that it seemed as though he was threatening violence if Hillary Clinton were to win the election. He has had a real change. He's done a 180. He now is strongly opposed to President Trump. He says it's because of his dishonesty and what he calls traitorous relationship with mm. Vladimir Putin and this latest scandal with Ukraine. So I wanted to talk to him about why is he really running? Does he think he actually has a shot because President Trump's approval numbers with Republicans are very high? And I wanted to talk to him as well, which I think very few outlets have done in talking with Joe Walsh about where he stands on the issues. And, you know, it's easy to look at a guy like this and say, wow, what an opportunist. You know, he goes from obscurity to being a presidential candidate, being interviewed uh, all over the country at stations like ours. Uh, however, in this case, uh, his move to challenge President Trump has cost him his job, right? He, he lost his job as a radio host. Yeah. yeah. And may I just say, before we jump into the interview with Congressman Joe Walsh, I took this interview to the limit. Uh-oh. You One took more. his shoes wow. off? No. Oh. Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. Take it. <laughs> To uh, the yeah. Okay. One more time, John. He lost oh. us there, but oh, boy. it's okay. We're a long way for that one. 
You're too young to be saying that. No, no, Dad I grew punk. up on the Eagles. Dad punk. I grew up on the yeah. Eagles and Pink Floyd and the Beatles, all the greats. Wow. This is Greater Boston, cradle of American democracy. He is running against President Trump in the Republican primary, former Congressman Joe Walsh of Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us. We Liam, good it. to be with you. President Trump, depending on the poll, yeah. is 80 to 90% support among Republican voters. So why are you doing this? To win, to beat him. Uh, he's unfit, he's bad for the Republican Party, Liam, and he's a danger to the country. You talk about 80 to 90% supporting him. I think that support's soft. And what's interesting, Liam, it doesn't measure the number of people who've left the Republican Party. Uh, we're gonna head up into New Hampshire again later today and tomorrow uh, in Iowa, New Hampshire. Everywhere we've been, over and over, I hear the following. I like some of the things Trump's done, but I'm tired. I'm tired of all the other crap I've got to deal with. So you're not running to criticize him. You, th you actually think you could beat him in a Republican primary, despite the fact that he's polling at 80 to 90%. Yeah, Ian, this is probably, I've only been in it a month. This is probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. Why in God's name would anybody, right, put themselves through this unless they wanted to win? I can't imagine doing this unless you were doing it to win. That's why I'm doing it. You were a staunch supporter of Donald Trump's when he was a candidate. In 2016, in fact, a few weeks before the election, you tweeted, I'm sure you'll remember this. The musket tweet. On November 8th, I'm voting for Trump. On November 9th, if Trump loses, I'm grabbing my musket. So what changed? That's still one of my favorite tweets. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I didn't love tweet, uh, uh, Trump and I didn't like him. He wasn't Hillary. It was a pretty easy vote for me back then. If There's you could no go back, way. would you vote for Hillary Clinton knowing what you know If now? I can go back, uh, I would not have voted for Trump, uh, and I will not vote for him again. Again, we've been asked that question, myself and other candidates in this primary. Are you going to vote for Trump in 2020 if he's the nominee? Hell no. I'm running because I think he's unfit, so I couldn't support him. What changed from that tweet in October of 2016 to where we are now? Um, I realized pretty quickly after he got elected, Liam, that virtually Every time he opens his mouth, he tells a lie. I mean, almost every single time. I don't care what your politics are. I can't support a president who lies as much as this one did. does. The final straw was Helsinki last summer when Donald Trump stood in front of the world and said, I'm with Putin and not my own intelligence community. That was the final straw because he's, he's incapable of putting the country's interest ahead of his own. You have criticized President Trump in the past in addition to what you say are dishonest remarks from him for yeah. making some racist comments. And you have your own past of some concerning comments. Absolutely. You were, you were a birther regarding President Obama's No, birthplace. let me stop you there. You, you were uh, not a birther. No, God, no, I never got into that at all. That's but crazy. You did but say I that did he was say... only elected president because he's black. Absolutely. And you made some references to potentially he might be a Muslim. Yes. How do you respond to people who say you don't have the moral ground to question President Trump's comments? I, I think it's, it's because I, I come from what got Trump elected. Uh, Liam, the same people who voted for Trump voted for me, sent me to Congress in 2010. The same people who voted for Trump have listened to me on the radio these past five or six years. You were years. part of the Tea Party a movement. Absolutely, and we went to Washington in 2010 to raise hell about all of this government debt. And 
Liam, what's interesting is I helped create Trump. Uh, part of the Tea Party rhetoric, part of some of the angry rhetoric that conservatives like me have put out there the last five or six years, sometimes it went over the edge. You and regret sometimes, that? Oh, do you, God, do you yeah. apologize for it? Uh, it, it I've, I've spent, <laughs> it's interesting, Liam, I've spent a good amount of this last month since I've announced apologizing for some of the things I've said. And you mentioned what, what, what's different with me and Trump. Look, I'm not a racist. I say things about race because I care about the issue of race. I'm obsessed with the issue of race. Sometimes I said offensive things, but it's always to promote an idea. This guy in the White House, he didn't give a damn about any of that. All he cares about is Trump. So he'll be a racist, he'll be a bigot, he'll be a xenophobe if it will help get Trump elected. Let's talk about the Ukraine scandal. Yeah. Do you believe President Trump should be impeached for asking Ukraine and China, on China they say, potentially he was kidding, uh, to investigate Joe Biden and his son? Should he be impeached for that? Hell yes. Uh, again, think about how far we've come. I mean, I thought he should have been impeached after I read the Mueller report last April. He obstructed justice, period. But you, Liam, you've got the President of the United States who pressured foreign governments to interfere with our election. He says he was just trying to fight corruption. When has this president ever given a damn about corruption? Come on, that's, you've, you've got his, we've got his own words, Liam. I mean, on the, the front lawn of the White House last week, China and Ukraine should both investigate the Bidens. It's right there, that's impeachable. I mean, it's clear, right? That's, that's what's fascinating about this whole discussion, Liam, is that's collusion. Imagine, Six months ago, if Robert Mueller, part of the Mueller report, had the transcript of a conversation between Trump and Putin where Trump asked Putin to find dirt on Hillary, that would have been the smoking gun. That was the basis of that. That was it. And that would have been the smoking gun in the Mueller report. Trump would have been impeached. That's what he did with the president of Ukraine. Shouldn't we let the voters decide? They're going to decide in a year anyway. Should we impeach him when we're right on the precipice of letting the voters make that choice? You don't, you know, you know what? You don't contemplate the politics of impeachment. You do what's right. And if we have a president, and we do, who's abused the powers of his office, who's used his office for his own personal gain. I was on TV over the weekend, uh, Liam, and I called Donald Trump a traitor. Uh, broadly defined, I think he is a traitor. He's betrayed the country. When you ask a foreign government to screw around with our elections, that's a betrayal. That's a big deal. Let's talk about policy because I, I think most voters won't necessarily know where you stand yeah. on a lot of the issues that impact them at home. Healthcare. You voted when you were a congressman from Illinois to repeal Obamacare. What's your plan to replace it? You know what, uh, return, get rid of Obamacare, all of that money that we spend on Obamacare, return it to the states. The states know better how to use that money to take care of their citizens in those states. And then what we've got to do, Liam, man, we have to have a whole conversation about healthcare in this country. Um, the vast majority of Americans need to begin assuming their own day-to-day -day costs when it comes to health care. Those with chronic health care conditions, those of need, we should always take care of. Do you consider health care a right? No. Gosh, no. It's a right in a lot of 
developed countries. Not in America. All of Not in America. Our rights in America protect us from government. Now, health care could be a, an agreed upon benefit that society agrees is a benefit that we should all pay for. But in America, you don't have a right to health care. You don't have a right to a roof over your head. But isn't the current system unsustainable? Broken. Absolutely. I mean, the costs are as high as they are. That was true well before Obamacare. And you say, well, let's leave it up to people to cover their costs. I don't think most people can cover that cost. No. So how do we fix that? Because we have to change the conversation. Liam, uh, you're younger than I am. We've got Americans living longer and longer and longer. In my parents' generation, Americans were living into their 60s and 70s. Now we're living into our 90s and we're healthy. We're playing golf at 94. That's a really good thing, right? But how the hell are we gonna pay for all that health care? That's the conversation that neither Republicans or Democrats want to talk about. And what I'm saying is we've got to change the conversation. Americans of means like myself, we need to begin assuming more of our day-to-day -day costs. This notion uh, that the Democrats are putting out there, Medicare for all, let's just have government pay for everybody's health care. Bull, we're $23 trillion in debt right now. We can't afford the health care we've got right now. You've been a staunch defender of gun rights, yeah. as evidenced by that tweet that we mentioned earlier. Do you support an expansion of background checks to cover private sales? Abs well, absolutely, and all commercial sales. Look, our focus should be, and I am a big Second Amendment guy, our focus should not be taking my guns away. Our focus should be on making sure those people who shouldn't have a gun don't. If I go down the street and I go to a gun dealer and I buy a gun, I undergo a background check. If you, Liam, sell me a gun, I should have to undergo that same So you agree to check. expand to that Absolutely. private sale, close that loophole. Absolutely. How about uh, a limit on the capacity of a clip or a magazine? or a limit on, say, an AR-15, should those be publicly available? What do you say about that? Absolutely, look, 99.99% of all the Americans in this country who own AR-15s don't kill people with those AR-15s. But the few who do wreak a lot of havoc. The few who do can kill people with any gun. They can kill a lot more people with an AR-15 well, than they can with a handgun. You know gun. what, most of the semi-automatic guns in this country right now are handguns. Every bit as lethal with a magazine as an AR-15. No, it's not as lethal. The oh, AR-15 is much more powerful. Oh no, 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 Liam, you can you can add you can add a magazine to a to a handgun. You can do almost anything right now with M any semi-automatic weapon. Our focus should not be on taking these guns away, but our focus should be on making sure crazy people, bad people, don't have access to guns. The other thing I'd look at is what's called these red flag laws. Mm. You support those? Oh, a, 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 as long as they pass constitutional muster, just another way to help keep guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Do you believe climate change is caused by man? Unlike this president, climate change is not a hoax. Uh, I believe climate change is real, and I think it's almost idiotic to think that man uh, hasn't contributed to it. In, in 2017, you supported the Trump administration plan to cut funding for climate research, would you reverse yourself on that? Where do you stand on that? Today? No, I think I think there needs to be a government role when it comes to research. I don't know how much money we should spend on research, but government has to play a role. Look, Liam, here's the problem. My party, the Republican Party, under this president and too many of my fellow Republicans do believe it's a hoax. And the problem with that right now is we're letting the AOCs of the world and their Green New Deals carry the day. We don't even have a 
seat at the table when it comes to climate change right now because we're denying it exists. I want to sit at the table so that we can work on common sense solutions. Where do you stand on abortion rights? And would you hope as president to get a Supreme Court that would overturn Roe versus Wade? Uh, I'm pro-life. End of story. I believe that that decision should be sent back to the states. Roe v. Wade was a flawed decision. There's no constitutional right to an abortion. You were pro-choice in the 90s. What changed? After about six years of thought, prayer, discernment, and research, I've always been pretty libertarian. Mm. Um, I realized that 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 life is a life inside the womb. Wouldn't and, one and of the libertarian has, positions be, though, that a woman should have yeah. her right to her liberty, which is to her body? Yeah, Liam, it's fascinating. The libertarian movement is actually split on this because you're right. And that was my first instinct. I'm libertarian. Government stay out. But I'm liber libertarian. I don't want my government doing a lot of things. Principally, what I want my government doing is protecting life. You actually do see this libertarian philosophy that this is one thing government should do. Last question. What do you say to the people who don't trust that you have, quote, found religion on President <laughs> Trump, that you're sensing the way the wind is blowing oh my, and that yeah. you're jumping into it. I was a conservative talk radio host for six years. 95% of my audience wanted to hear every damn day, Liam, that Donald Trump walked on water, right? I could be Sean Hannity. I could still be one of the biggest radio guys you out there. You lost your radio show. Well, yeah, once I announced my run, but I was losing, I was syndicated, nationally syndicated, but I was losing stations around the country this past year. Because you were criticized. Because I was critical of Trump. If I cared about the ratings, if I cared about money and my fame, man, I would have done what Hannity and all the rest of them do and just say Donald Trump's the greatest. I'm doing this because this president is unfit and he's a danger to this country. And I'm telling you what, Liam, if we give him four more years, pray for this country. Uh, this is, as I said, the most difficult thing I've ever done. Uh, I've thrown my life upside down. I've given up my livelihood because I so believe this man needs to be stopped. Congressman Joe Walsh of Illinois, we appreciate it. Thank hey, Liam, so thank you, man. Thank you. Good to chat with you. Thank you. The unexpected is not knowing what's going to happen. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, last year, we lost our video. So how would you like it if this Halloween, your immediate next-door neighbor set up a Halloween world on their lawn complete with bright flashing lights that are going off well into the night, uh, loud sounds, something like this. What do you call a monster that loves to dance? I don't know, what? The Boogeyman. <laughs> I get it. Um, oh wait, I got one, I got one, here we go. <clears throat> What's a vampire's favorite kind of dog? I don't know what. A bloodhound. <laughs> Those are the talking loop. pumpkins. Those on are talking pumpkins. Talking pumpkins <laughs> on a loop. And it's October 7th. Again when this and was again. Well, that is what is happening to one neighborhood in Braintree. Uh, on the TV side, we did a story about the conflict this has caused between neighbors. And uh, if you ask me, um, it would seem to me that if you're the one with the loud lawn like this, you really do have to take your neighbors into consideration. But Paula, that's not what's happening here. No. When our reporter, Tiffany Chan, went to speak 
to the two neighbors involved, uh, the, the Halloween house owners, uh, the woman said, well, you know what? I, I think she used the word spite. And she said, we're going to add a little more, make it a little bigger. And the lady next door whose bedroom faces the lights and the sound had to draw her shades. It was it was really yeah. intrusive. And as I said, it was October 7th when we recorded this. So we've got three weeks to go until <laughs> Halloween. I think I know a lot of neighborhoods will do this from October 29th on, maybe. But uh, it's a long time. It kind of speaks to, I don't know, do we know our next-door neighbors anymore? At one point, I think, in New England especially, you would be concerned about bothering do know, them. Do did, did the yeah. lights and the sounds turn off at some point? Because I, I think they well, have they, children they must themselves. Turn off so at late point. at night, but it's going on. But apparently, after dark. it's not just it six plays for ten, six to nine. I think it was between six to nine. Well, three yeah. hours of that crap we just heard, <laughs> you know, would drive me up the wall. John, why don't you just say it out loud? Get off my lawn. <laughs> no, uh, because, come on, Lee. because yeah, this yeah. is Halloween. No, no. no. I'm as all... a father of young children. I'm going to this house the first chance I get. And we're going to look at that display. Okay, that's fine. Well, that's, by the way, that's another issue where you have to take your neighbors into account. You're drawing yes. all sorts of car traffic. We see this at Christmas time. We, this we is do. the first Halloween display I've seen like this. Now, look, I, I love these kinds of displays that are seasonal, uh, particularly at Christmas time. Some people go all out. I think it's wonderful. And I'm, you know, I, I, I'm no problem with it. But you've got to have some consideration for your neighbor. Doesn't it seem, too, that over time, the Halloween decorations have gotten more extreme? I feel like when I was a kid, there were a few pumpkins on the doorstep. It was that sort of thing. My wife the other day, I'm not kidding, I... We're watching TV. She's doing something like, Peter said, what are you doing? She said, I'm looking up a fog machine. (laughs) To get for and I, Hasn't I said for us, we're, we're going to get a fog machine. Well, that's fun. She said, "Yeah, the kids will come up. There'll be fog on it." It just seems like things have gotten more and more extreme. I know in my neighborhood, it's all the inflatables now are the yeah, big thing. Yeah, maybe you guys can help me with this. What does Snoopy have to do with? Well, oh, well, Halloween. it's the great pumpkin, the Charlie great, Brown. That yeah. was the TV special oh, when oh. when people were kids in the '60s, and I think. But I yeah, see. Halloween spending. I'm going to look it up because I think it's become like one of the number one or number oh, two. Oh, it has to be. It's holidays. all part of the commercialism um, of America. Uh, Americans will spend on average eighty six dollars and twenty seven cents for the holiday, or eight point eight billion dollars in total spending which is down from nine billion last year so maybe it's one of those holidays that i think it kind of does unite small children and teenagers and older people uh i I don't know my favorite is preschool halloween I hate scary, gory Halloween. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm the other thing yeah. too. I they, like little kids trick or treating. That's about it. The yeah. other thing too is it, there's that whole movement of the parents who go around with the red solo cups on Halloween, mm. and everyone's dangerous combination. Yeah, it's it's the whole culture now of parents seeming to enjoy it a little bit more well, than the kids uh, are. I mean, let's get back on this issue though of yeah. the, the way neighbor. neighbors treat neighbors. I mean, really, to say I'm going to turn the volume up louder. <laughs> I mean, that's really provocative. Well, she was going to add to it. I will say the pumpkin jokes were great. I mean, the jokes that pumpkin. <laughs> our, our producer, Jonathan, is shaking his head. Liam, he those are dad jokes. The blood, exactly. Corny Fantastic. Corny, corny, candy, corny. Candy corny. Oh, Liam's a candy corn oh. person. Well, Just I'm a proponent. I also candy like corn. candy corn. There you go. I mean, who I doesn't like candy few. corn? I like You it. have a few. It's, it's Just a sugar. Few. It's just sugar. A few a It's great. Good. We all agree on that. Okay, so yes, we agree on that. <laughs> By the way, but I Liam, do agree. If your neighbor asked you to turn it down or 
turn down the lights. You, you have to. Do it a little. Yes, yes. During yeah. our uh, our summer cooler episode of the podcast that we did, oh, you yeah. were uh, bitching and moaning already about the presence of the Halloween yeah. candy. Remember that was in July? Stores, yeah, early July. Well, July. yes. There so have you stocked so, up yet? Or no, no. I fog machine up. first, then we the have decorated. The house is now decorated. Spiderwebs in the front. Apparently a fog machine. Is on yeah. the way. Is on the way. <laughs> some form. Liam's going to emerge from the fog because to, Liam, to hand know. the kids their candy. Yeah, I'm going to that all year round, frankly. <laughs> well, after, Go to bed at night, boom, pop the fog machine on, well, emerge. Hey, don't oh. knock it if you haven't tried So there's a weird thing here at the bottom of the oh. page that is actually just handwritten. It's not even part of the actual Liam, agenda. Oh. It says Liam hit in face. One of the greatest is this, is this a prompt WBC for someone hitting stories in the face? of all time. No, no, with the football. Right? Oh, this when is from when, when I got first, hit in the face with the football. Arrived. Oh, yeah. Oh, we haven't told this story yet? Uh, no, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Here's how it happened. Here's how it happened. Yeah. Liam had arrived... <laughs> Three months before at WBC, something um, like that. We're shooting. No, one of no, our, it was probably only a month because it, yeah, it was, we were shooting promos for. Right. At that time, WBC had Thursday. It wasn't night football. the fall. It was like August because yeah. we had Thursday night football at the time. So they had these snazzy silver Thursday night football football jerseys on. They wanted to tape a cute promo of Liam and me tossing the football around, and the <laughs> promo guy, I believe it was Mike. Mike. Rizitska, yes. Oh, I'll always was behind the camera. Yeah. And Liam was innocently looking straight ahead. And he said, turn around, Liam. And I'm going to, as you turn around, I'm going to throw the football right. to you. And it just, he was beamed right off the forehead. Well, so wow. let me defend well, that myself. That explains before. a lot. I, 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 let me defend <laughs> but myself. But it wasn't your fault. Right. So what happened is my back is to him. And he's supposed to prompt me and go, turn. Now, <laughs> ideally, he says, turn and like before Edelman. he throws the football. But No. <laughs> <laughs> he said turn. But no. He said turn after he threw the He football. thought with his cat-like reflexes, yeah. he would catch it like it, Julian it, I, If you, you get the clip is everywhere. It's going everywhere. It's going you can everywhere. see the moment my face turns, it is already being hit with the football. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just straight into the forehead. The best part about it, though, can I play the Paula's cackle? I think I can pull up you, Paula's cackle. You have it? Well, I, we I have the clip. Have the so, cap- Liam, what what was your sport at Harvard? Clearly not football, <laughs> right? Uh, I was a starter on the foosball team. Foosball. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hold on. Uh, um, let me see if I can find this. So, Liam, it, and, and this isn't seen fully in the clip, collapsed to the ground laughing. And I barely, we all, we know, I barely know Paula in this <laughs> moment. Okay, so you would think introduced. You would think Paula would, oh, my God, are you okay? Is <laughs> he it- collapsed on the ground. He was laughing. So I thought, well, this is just a great moment. Paula, and I stood over she him. She st- stands over me and takes a picture of <laughs> me lying effectively <laughs> unconscious. Okay, here, let me look. <laughs> Here's the sound of, of me getting hit and Paula's cackle. Listen for... <laughs> Paula, in that moment, cackles okay, and then cackle. is excited first that she had taken video of it video as of opposed it. to, is Liam okay? Is he concussed? Might he have CTE now? And what, <laughs> no, you know, no. What are the ramifications? Those are not my concerns. Yeah, well, concerns. and thus, the, co- the co-anchor relationship Th- was established. <laughs> it was. There you go. We know who's on um, top here. <laughs> <laughs> and things have just been blissful ever they since. Really have. Yeah. They really have. Did, did Mike apologize? He did profusely. He felt terrible. Um, I, I asked for him to be fired. 
still here. He's yeah. still here. He's yeah. quietly been trying to sabotage Which goes him ever to show, since. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll eventually get his. Here's the thing. I grew up with five brothers and five sisters. Mm. So when someone gets beamed right off the head with a oh, football, yeah. That's entertaining. You, you chuckle. It's part of the course. And you take pictures yeah. of it. All right. All right. Let's so wrap. here we go. Uh, this was really fun. Studio BZ is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends, subscribe, and share. As John mentioned, our Twitter handle is at Studio BZ Pod. I'm at Paula Eben WBZ. I'm at Keller at Large. I am at Liam WBZ. By the way, you can also now find me on TikTok. Okay, kids. She started a TikTok. I did. I'm I, no, I started already. a TikTok, and um, I've had some very strange messages. <laughs> and thus, TikTok is over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the day it ended. <laughs> hey, shall done. we say the clock ran out for TikTok? <laughs> Until next time. Yay! We'll, we'll be seeing you. you. Good catch, boy. <laughs> One down. <laughs>